0: and welcome back to the Optimization Academy with Dr. Greg Jones. I am your host, Dr. Greg Jones, and I am very honored today. My guest is amazing in the world of peptides and cellular medicine. I met him recently at a conference in Vegas. Uh, There was no partying unless you call it a peptide party with uh, Dr. Leonard Pastrana. So let me give you a little bit of background on Dr. Pastrana, and I will turn it over to him so he can tell you a little bit more about himself. So Dr. Pastrana received his PharmD from Palm Beach Atlantic University, specializes in cellular optimism. This is a good thing. I have an editor. So, he specializes in cellular optimization medicine. He has multiple certifications in peptide therapy. Uh, currently, a faculty member of the C Scientific Research and Performance Institute. Uh, specializes in the use of cellular signals. Ah, the coffee is kicking in. He specializes in the use of cell signaling molecules with leveraging variables, exercise science, and nutrition for health span optimization. He works closely with compound pharmacies to develop the latest research-backed cellular medicine compounds. Leonard is the founder of New BioAge Wellness Network, a company that assists practitioners in developing cutting-edge cellular medicine protocols. He is also the lead supplement formulator at multiple companies. So, ah, I can't talk. <coughs> <Got this. laughs> good. He is also the lead supplement formulator at multiple companies. So without further ado, I welcome Dr. Prashana. So are we going to go with Leonard, Dr. Prashana, Peptide boss. What are we going with here? Leonard's good. Leonard's good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. This well, stuff, thanks man. Thanks for having me now we're happy to be here Yeah, thank you man i
0: appreciate you making the time so outside of that bio is there anything else that we should know about you
1: uh i'm, I'm a i'm a father and yeah, that's like probably the 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 most fun and the most rewarding thing that i, I have uh, going on in my life and i got two daughters and so Awesome. that that's what sticks out right now.
0: <laughs> and then that's okay. That's okay. And that's a very important thing here. So I'm sure the good thing with you being their dad, they are going to grow up with all the latest and greatest and anti-aging and longevity protocols. So they may live to be 150. You know, we'll see Absolutely. how that, how that Absolutely. goes. Absolutely. I
1: got them. I got them trained and it goes great with what we're talking about today. Cause uh, my daughter, she knows sugar is bad, right? Definitely, and she gets, definitely. she gets sugar on the weekends and she sees me working out every morning. And we talk, I mean, she knows about glucose uptake already. She knows that why my oh, daddy works out before he eats something that that has sugar. And uh, I was telling her how, how sugar, you know, it, it goes into the muscles after you work out. So I'm already I'm already setting the stage uh, for her. She's only five, so it might be a little might be oh, a little man. deep for her. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> but okay, start them fun. young, my
0: friends. Start them young. So speaking of sugar and speaking of glucose, today we're going to be talking about GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide one and how this peptide can benefit you and your optimization and weight loss and longevity journey. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think to understand GLP-1 and its benefits, I think we need to kind of step back and talk about the hormones that regulate glucose control. So kind of talk about the ones that we should know about and learn more about as we go forward with our conversation today.
1: Sure. So the, the two main ones are, you know, insulin and, and glucagon and, and, an easy way to understand this without getting too complicated is that insulin is basically dealing with the hyperglycemia, the high glucose, while glucagon is dealing with the, with the hypoglycemia. Uh, and I wouldn't say one's bad or, or good. This is the body's ability to just create this, this homeostasis, right? The body's ability to correct what's going on. Uh, but what we're, we're normally looking at mostly when we're talking about glucose metabolism is, is insulin. And what insulin's job is basically to do is its, it's job is to take up glucose into, into the cell, right? And when it's doing this in, in multiple tissues. The three main ones or the three ones that are doing it in is muscle tissue, uh, fat tissue, and liver tissue. And it's, it, that's, that's insulin's job to bring glucose in. And it's also to stop the production of, of uh, glucose in the liver, right? And so when you hear terms like insulin resistance, that, that, what that basically is telling us that's, that's when any of this is going wrong. And a lot of a lot of things can go wrong anywhere from the, the transport of glucose into the cell, into the environment of our cells, if they're too inflamed or have oxidative stress going on, uh, and then affecting our pancreatic beta cells, our the body's ability to secrete insulin and bring glucose into the cell. And when any of these things go wrong, is where we, we when we have all these uh, different complications. And it's, it's really important when we're talking about glucose metabolism, but we're not only talking about you know, insulin or our, our hormones and then how insulin is bringing glucose into the cell and where that's malfunctioning. But we also wanna know about glucose metabolism when it comes to other, our other lifestyle modifications that, that, uh, that we can, that we can take part in because there's a lot that has to do with uh, diet and exercise. And when you, when you're talking about glucose metabolism, you're talking about the same pathways and it's very similar pathways that we'll talk about when we're talking about GLP ones and different medications that, that help with glucose metabolism. But if you look at what's happening when you exercise, uh, you're increasing your longevity genes or two genes I know you like to talk a lot about NAD you're, you're improving NAD. And the downstream effects independent of insulin are, are huge when it, when it comes to glucose metabolism, when it comes to bringing glucose into the cell, you can do that actually independent of insulin by stimulating something like, uh, AMPK, right? That can the, the way that insulin is bringing glucose into the cell is by something called GLUT4 transport, right? And so it's, it's grabbing glucose and bringing it into, into the cell via this transport system. But you could also do that by increasing AMPK, and that also uh, translocates and, and brings uh, GLUT4 into, the, uh, into the, the, the surface of the cell to bring glucose in as well. So we have multiple ways of, of doing this. So understanding those dynamics is important, and, and it has everything to do with uh, things like NAD, And sirtuins, are longevity genes, because when you, when you stimulate these things, when you caloric restrict or you fast, or you exercise the downstream effects of these sirtuins have a lot to do with glucose metabolism. They have a lot to do with the body's own ability to upregulate its own antioxidant system, right? It has the ability to decrease inflammatory genes that are causing inflammation and, and, and causing a problem with glucose metabolism. They have, like we talked about with, with glucose, uh, transport, and they have everything to do with mitochondrial function. So these things seem like they're different subjects like glucose and insulin, NAD and sirtuins, they sound like buzzwords that we talk about at different times, but all these things are, are interconnected to, to increase the expression of sirtuins. We have to have healthy NAD levels. Sirtuins are dependent on NAD to, to do what they're supposed to do. So those are the multiple ways that we can improve, uh, a glucose metabolism when it comes to the, the hormones.
0: So great. Yeah. And then I'm glad you brought that up because we're, especially in my clinic, I'm always like, I go through this pathway, like, Hey, one of, this is why I think NAD is important. And we talk about AMPK and then we talk about fasting and we talk about, you know, autophagy and senescence and all these things go together to increase longevity. And I know I kind of joked earlier about your daughter's living to 150. And so it's not so much about that age span, it's the health span. Right. You know, and so and I have this conversation with patients a lot. And I'm going to turn this over to the insulin topic is that I think me growing up as an athlete and even getting into the fitness world, we're always taught eat more. You know, you need more protein, you need more protein. You got to eat as much as you can because you're trying to build. But there's a time and a place for that. Right. Because, you know, we won't go down the, the mTOR pathway and all that stuff. But it's like if you're constantly synthesizing proteins, when do you get to kind of re- repair and rebuild? You know, you Absolutely. just never do because you're constantly, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm synthesizing, I'm synthesizing. But when does the clearing out of senescent cells happen? When when yeah. does the NPK kick in? You can't do that. And this is why the, long, the newer studies talk about longevity is related to fasting, but also not just starving yourself, but it's timing of the fasting as well. So... That being said, you mentioned a uh, subject a few seconds ago, actually a couple minutes ago, on insulin resistance, and we a lot of times people hear about that, like "oh, I've heard about that." but They also hear about insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So, if you can talk to us about the difference between insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity, and how specifically insulin resistance is kind of a harbinger of a lot of the chronic diseases that we see in the world today.
1: Absolutely, and it goes, and it goes directly with what, with what you were just saying, um, you, you, brought up some, some amazing points. It's, it's, it's really about nu- uh, nutrition and timing and activating not only the, the anabolic side because insulin, it, it can be a very, it's a growth anabolic side of things. But we ha- we also, when I was talking about exercise, we're talking about the catabolic side of things like the fat oxidation, right? The fasting, those things. So having that balance in between both of those is really important. The problem with what's happening with chronic disease is that we're in this constant sedentary uh, overfed state right? Where, where, where everybody's in the growth phase and not the, not the good growth phase where they're, they're pumping iron and, they're, and it's going into their muscles. It's in the overweight, obesity, diabetes is what we're seeing, right? And we, we see that with a decrease in sirtuin activity, a decrease in NAD activity. Um, and, and that's really um, a precursor. Now we always talk about in functional medicine of getting down to the root cause, right? And sometimes that can be too, too simplistic of, of, of a term when we're trying to look at okay, what's the one root cause? Actually, a lot of these things are interconnected. And when you think about, we can call insulin resistance the root cause, but when we look at insulin resistance, it's dealing with muscle, fat, liver, it's, it's dealing with, with, with the whole system. And, and insulin resistance and is a precursor to uh, obesity or type two diabetes. And what is type two diabetes? A risk factor for cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative z- diseases, cancer, right? So all this is, is very interconnected. Now. What, what, unfortunately what happens in our traditional uh, healthcare system is that we don't, we don't see this happening until it's almost too late. Right. Cause if you go to the doctor, you get, you know, you get, uh, you get your blood work done. They're going to look at a, a fasting blood sugar. Right. And if that's, if that's okay, or if that's a little high, then they might look at your, your a1c and if your a1c is, is, is okay, then. Um, then then they're they're, they're not going to have the conversation anymore. They're going to stop right there. But what we're finding is we can find insulin resistance a lot earlier on. Uh, We can find this happening 10 years before it gets to to the point where you have prediabetes or you have diabetes. And, and, one of the ways of doing that is taking a, a fasting insulin level, because what gets tricky about, about this is you go to the doctor, you look at your glucose level, it's normal, but you don't realize how much insulin your body is secreting to, to get back to that homeostasis. You know, your body might be secreting a lot of insulin. You might have really high fasting insulin levels. That's bringing down your glucose. By the time you get to the doctor and look at your glucose levels, they're normal, but what they don't realize and what they don't catch is insulin resistance already started. And to me, that's the aging process. That aging process has already started and you're getting close to, to chronic disease, which is exactly what you said. It's not about lifespan. It's more about healthspan and the quality of life. And the way that we, we work on that is delaying the onset of chronic disease, because that's, what's taking us out, right? That's diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, cancers, neurodegenerative disease. That's what's ultimately taking us out. And we can see that insulin resistance plays a huge role in, in all those, in all those chronic diseases. So, that, you know, we're, we're getting better and better at catching it earlier and earlier. I just think that we, we, we should probably start having the conversation way before you have a high A1C, A1c level.
0: Now, outside of, this is interesting that you brought it up because we know lab work is going to tell you if you have high insulin or high glucose or high HbA1c. So, but from a day-to-day perspective of a person who may suspect they have insulin resistance, are there any hallmarks or signs or symptoms that someone may be insulin resistant before they get to the doctor and get a lab drink?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question um, because the truth is that technically uh, I've seen stats where they think that 50% of the population might be insulin resistant, but asymptomatic, because the thing is that we, you know, we're not facing the consequences yet, but we are smart enough to to see it happening if we did have some, some, some uh, blood work done. But if you think about what's happening when you're insulin, uh, insulin resistance, or you're having high. Uh, insulin levels, it's a lot harder to, to burn fat. So if you're at a point where your diet hasn't changed, your exercise hasn't changed, but you see that you, you can't, you're, you're putting on extra fat or you can't take it off like you used to, that is probably an early sign because what happens when we have high insulin levels It inhibits lipolysis, right? The, the, the breakdown of fat. So that to me is, is one of the, one of those little signs that I normally hear. And I hear it a lot from a lot of docs, um, recently, and this is another thing that you brought up as well. You brought up so many great points. I kind of got lost cause I was like, oh, that's good. I, I can't wait to get back to that. But I, I couldn't remember all of them is when you're talking about that mTOR or that, uh, how important it is for uh, protein synthesis or, or, or lean muscle is that what I hear from a lot of docs is that, um, you know, they're starting to feel that insulin resistance, or they're starting to see it in their labs, but they're like, I'm still eating good. I'm still moving. Like what's what's going on. And a lot of it has to do with, uh, lean muscle, right? Because muscle is, is, is is one of the, 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 the most important ways to dispose of glucose, right? Because it's like a, a reservoir. We have so much of it, but as we age, what happens? We, we, we decrease our lean muscle, right? We start to have uh, sarcopenia, right? And that's one of the biggest indicators of morbidity and mortality in the elderly is, is the, is, is losing lean muscle, right? And so, and so these, these, uh, as you age and you, you, you lose a little bit of muscle, that's where insulin resistance can kind of creep up. And that's when something like a good resistance training program is, is so important to, to, to work on stuff like that. So there's, it's a lot of different factors when it comes to, to it, we can talk about mTOR, we can talk about anabolic, catabolic, it's, it's affecting, it's affecting in so many different ways.
0: For sure. And great points there. Great points, because it's like, we, we deal with that a lot, because a lot of times when, when i kind of train is like, the first thing I think about someone's like, Hey doc, I'm working out. I'm eating well, uh, the pounds just aren't budging. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm gaining weight, you know, and I tend to say, okay, let's check, okay, let's start with thyroid, let's start with cortisol, let's, let's, let's start with hormones, right? But a lot of times the insulin piece kind of slips under the radar a little bit, because again, it's just kind of those high level things, right? So we're chasing the big ones, but you can, you know, like you say, insulin resistance is so prevalent, you can have hypothyroidism, you can have low testosterone and still be dealing with insulin resistance. And so I think that's a great point for something for, for even for myself to remember is like, to not kind of like let that slide, to always kind of investigate that because it can optimize our our patient's health. We're looking at the entire picture, the entire hormonal picture, the entire metabolism picture. So, um, that being said, you brought up something earlier in your talk. I was like, Oh, I got to talk about that is, can we talk about the relationship between insulin resistance and inflammation or chronic inflammation?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we have these, these, uh, higher glucose levels, when insulin resistance is, is starting to take place and, and when we're, we're in the inability to bring, uh, these glucose levels, uh, down, that's when we're causing a lot of, a lot of, sorry, got a, something there, uh, a lot of oxidative stress and inflammation, right. And then uh, oxidative stress and inflammation is, is a poor environment for, for, for glucose metabolism. Right. And so that's why it's so important to, to, uh, do things, if it's exercise, if it's uh, peptides compounds, they're going to, they're going to help with glucose disposal, the body's ability to bring glucose into the cell Um, or, or working on sirtuin or your longevity, longevity genes, taking supplements that are, that are increasing the expression, making sure that your NAD levels are, are where they need to be. Because when NAD uh, when NAD is, is, is uh, high and, and sirtuin expression is, is happening, that's when you see the, the, the deacetylation of all these downstream effects that have to do with inflammation and oxidative stress, right? So when you activate sir, uh, sir, sirtuins, you deacetylate things like nuclear factor kappa beta. And I know I'm getting a little biochemistry-like, but that's that's where it's going to inhibit it. Things like TNF-alpha, and these are those, cytok- those inflammatory cytokines, those inflammatory genes that are causing all that inflammation, as well as all, those, all the oxidative stress. And the body's ability to um, upregulate other downstream effects like PGC-1-alpha and uh, FOXO genes, where these are, are upregulating the body's own antioxidant system right, the, the body's ability to produce things like uh, superoxide desmutase and glutathione and glutathione peroxidase, this is the body's own antioxidant system. Um, and, 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 and this is counter to what happens um, at these high glucose levels. So that's why insulin resistance is such a big issue. And then you mentioned insulin sensitizing. When someone says what's, what's improving insulin sensitivity, that's basically just saying that it's the body's ability to bring glucose into the cell and to improve glucose transport, right. And so, so that insulin can actually work because if we're secreting too much insulin, uh, glucose levels are spiking too high, causing oxidation and inflammation. Uh, that's when the resistance happens. But if we can turn that around and improve, uh, inflammation, oxidative stress and transport of glucose. Now we're insulin sensitizing, and that's really where we want to be.
0: Great. This is great. So when it comes down to it, eat a little better, keep an eye on your insulin, keep an eye on, on your on your timing, and exercise, and be aware of how your body's responding to food and exercise, right? And that kind of gives you that initial feeling, and then getting with a doctor who understands these concepts will help tremendously instead of just, hey, let me just throw, you know, Sometimes it's like, oh, just throw some exercise at it or just throw like a weight loss supplement at it. It can go a little deeper than that, a little bit more on that cellular level. So with that being said, I know we talked about one of our our purpose here is to talk about GOP-1 agonists and we're going to go deeper into that. We have a part two to this. We're going to get into more of the details here. But that being said, talk to us about what GOP-1 is and how it relates to that insulin resistance and that inflammation.
1: And then we'll kind of go from there. Sounds good. Yeah. So GLP-1 is a a hormone or a peptide, a glucagon like peptide. Um, And it's something that we we create naturally in our small intestine. And, you know, it has a profound effect on a number of things. Uh, The one that's really interesting to me is is what the effect that it has in the brain when it comes to um, eating behaviors when it comes to satiety, I I can never say that word right, or the, or the decrease of of appetite, right? So these, these hormones that are upregulated really have an effect on, on your appetite, but it's more, what it's more known for is its ability to secrete insulin, right? And, and and modulate insulin secretion where it's, it's secreting insulin postprandial, like when we want it to be, when we want it to go, you know, like that's the beautiful thing about peptides. It's like, you're not just like stimulating one thing and then everything's going haywire. It has the ability to modulate when it's it's secreting insulin. And so that those are the main things of, of GLP ones, but that, uh, that has a lot to do with, with everything we're talking about, right? We talked about caloric restriction and and activating this AMPK side of things. We talked about how important insulin secretion is to bring glucose into the cells. So this GLP one is, is very interesting when it comes to, to having something to, uh, to utilize with, with for glucose metabolism and, and and all this chronic disease that we're talking about.
0: So, I guess to for those who aren't familiar with G L P ones or insulin resistance and, and this metabolism piece, does G L P one stimulate the release of insulin? And you may have covered that. I just want to make sure people are kind of understanding that because that can be important to a lot of our patients who may be dealing with diabetes and other. Uh,
1: and and yeah, absolutely. That, that's yeah. that's that's probably one of it's, its 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 main effects because it, initially, you know, people look at this for for weight loss. But initially, this is this is done for type two diabetics, and there's indications for this in for type two diabetics. And it's oh, my my lights went off there. there <laughs> um, it's uh, and so yeah, it's its ability to to secrete insulin to improve insulin secretion spe- specifically, especially postprandial insulin secretion when we need it most when we eat, um, and we want to bring down those those glucose levels.
0: Okay. Does it have an effect on satiety or the word satiety or the feeling of fullness? <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome. I'm I'm so I'm, I'm not the only one that can't say that word. That's man, great. it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. One, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so um yeah, absolutely. It delays it delays gastric emptying, right? Which which increases that 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 sensation, that sensation of fullness, right? So it's 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 improving uh, glucose uptake. It's 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 working on everything that we just kind of talked about, right? Like one of the major problems is that we're overfed and we're eating too much, and we're eating too often. Right. So it's, it's, it's helping with that when it comes to the brain and appetite, it's, it's helping you feel full longer, right? It's, it's improving glucose uptake. It's decreasing uh, liver glucose production. So it's all the mechanisms that we were talking about earlier. It's, it has an, uh, has an effect on. The other thing that it has an effect on is decreasing inflammatory genes. And when you ask the question about antioxidants and, and inflammation and what role that plays, that's another thing that it does. It also, just like exercise and just like these other pathways that we were talking about, it also um, inhibits nuclear factor Kappa beta, which has a lot to do with a lot of inflammatory genes and a lot of inflammatory cytokines that are causing, that are, that are causing the problems. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I was at a presentation earlier this week, and uh, one of the things that I've been researching myself about is on the cell danger response and how our, our cells respond to uh, when they encounter certain pathogens or they're under stress or there is inflammation going on. And the NF Kappa beta was such a big piece of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect because if we can find ways to, you know, control N of Kappa Beta or make sure that it's not accept- you know, all this, you can lead to so many benefits in the anti-aging and longevity space because inflammation is one of those hallmarks of aging that makes us get out of here faster, right? At least that, le- that shortens the lifespan or the health span and such as that. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad, because again, part two, we're going to get more into some of the specific benefits of GLP-1, and but it all centers around what we've been talking about, lowering inflammation, improving antioxidation, uh, insulin sensitivity or, or decrease in insulin resistance, and all this stuff is going to come together here in part two. So that being said, uh, get excited for part two because we're going to get more of the details so you can know how amazing GLP-1 agonists can be as part of a longevity or anti-aging or wellness program, whatever the buzzword, biohacking, whatever your word disorder is, this is a big, can, can be a big part of it. So I wanna talk about more, talk about, yeah, here's some editing piece. So that being said, the GOP-1 agonist can be a major component of those programs. And we're gonna get more into that part two. So get you something to look forward to. Before we go, Dr. Prashana, Leonard, how can
1: we find you? That's a good question uh i'm not i'm not uh i'm not really great at the social media i'm just <laughs> figuring that out i'm trying to learn from yeah. from you guys uh, right. but I'm, a, I'm on instagram I, I don't even know what my handle is but Sorry. i'm sure if you look me up i'll, I'll be there it's there it's there <laughs> but all
0: right i get it you know it's all good man i, I see <laughs> uh, you're probably not making tiktok videos with that statement right there
1: which is a good thing because I... I got one i got one video <laughs> and it's on all of my social media platforms it's it's a it's a video of me snowboarding in like a foot of powder and that's that's basically the coolest thing that I've. I've done besides having you know my daughters, so I put it on every social media platform. Daughters—that
0: is the coolest. But all this peptide <laughs> stuff is—is is, we're calling it cool. But I'll help you out here. I'll throw you a bone here. So if you go to New BioAge, is it NewBioAge.com?
1: NewBioAge.com, yep. And that's that's usually for uh, practitioners that are looking to yep. put together uh, protocols. Uh, and we help practitioners put together protocols with everything from peptides to compounds to um, doing things that we talked about, like exercise and nutrition and, and just right. do, doing the education be, uh, around that.
0: Perfect. And that new BioAge is NU BioAge, so not any W. so there right, I did not, Yes, it, N-U-BioAge.com. So take, take a look, all you docs out there that want to learn more about Leonard and what his company and pharmacy offer. So that being said, man, that's it for part one i am excited about part two so everyone be on the lookout for that and we'll talk to you soon